Hello and welcome to another episode. Today we start with the topic, Rockstar removed 186 cars from GTA Online. Here is a list of all the vehicles that were removed from GTA Online with the new update. So this is like a heap of cars and then even more. So it's like 186. The hope was the only ones that they would remove would be the ones that you can find on the road and stuff, really old stuff. Even then, like they removed the fire show and stuff and that's just weird. Someone joked how they removed some of the vehicles that are on like the box art for GTA 5. <laughs> like I'm not a collector of vehicles, so this doesn't really bother me. Except the mentality that led to this removal seems to be that, hey, we can't necessarily make a lot of stuff for the game. So how about we just remove stuff and intermittently put it back in the game behind a paywall in hopes of inspiring people to sign up to GTA Plus. And I think that's terrible. Like I'm not gonna suffer for the loss of these vehicles, but I and everyone else will potentially suffer if Rockstar continues to go down this path of uh, randomly arbitrary paywalling content that should be available to everyone. Like they certainly could have, if they wanted to clean up the storefronts in, in the phone or whatever, they could have just made a separate store and put all these vehicles in it. Was that TG's suggestion maybe? The junkyard they could have called it? Or they could have, as I suggested, just made a search function or whatever. So you don't have to scroll for 50 years. Clearly their motivation for moving this stuff wasn't simply to clean up those storefronts. Yeah, so I'm not happy with this. Doesn't super affect me. I don't like what this is suggestive of in regards to Rockstar's mentality with content. For the names that I just showed, MG Games 100, and it's in this list in the uh, GTA forums. Thank you for making that. This AI program feels like pure wizardry. So I wrote this tweet about my experiences with AI. 10% of the time, AI has helped me, but it is laughably inept the rest. It seems amazing in an incredibly narrow set of situations, or slightly more if you've read 50 manuals on how to tune it exactly right. AI tool to separate voice from music is god tier for my old footage though. What people pointed out down in the comments is that for programming, it's apparently really, really useful. And I can totally see why that would be. The way to achieve certain things is the exact same each time. It's very formulaic in that way. So recognizing patterns in how to achieve certain things would be far simpler. Noticing errors is more just noticing patterns in coding and seeing like, oh, this part isn't normally in this pattern. So check this out. But for stuff that I do, it's very niche, requires a particular set of understanding. It's tens of thousands of hours of experience that may be largely only unique to me. So it's very hard to get to understand what I want it to do. The stuff I want is often very esoteric. But one thing that has been really, really useful, like ridiculously useful, is this tool. It's called Vocal Remover and Isolation. So I'll play this. GT5's Los Santos has been overrun by cougars, but not just normal cougars, absolute freaks of nature. No, he's pulling me out of the car! So if you put this in here, and processes pretty quickly, so then it divides the music, which is just everything in the background, from my voice. So here's the background. And here's my vocals. GT5's Los Santos has been overrun by cougars, but not just normal cougars, absolute freaks of nature. No, he's pulling me out of the car! Like, you can see how it's really good. What traditionally I do then is I keep them both in the same place, but I make one louder or softer depending upon what I need. In my old footage, I didn't separate the game from my voice. What I had for Pacifist was my voice separate and the game and my voice together. So I couldn't just have the game by itself. And so using this in various different spots, I can make the game louder if I want to. And this is being used on the VOD channel with a lot of my old footage to turn down the game volume to levels that is manageable. 
when at the time it was uh, way too loud or too soft or, or what have you. This tool is helping me so much. And I'm not even sure it was a thing that humans could necessarily do before. Like, I don't think this is taking someone's jobs or something. It's just, it's just a tool that you'd expect to have in like Adobe Premiere or something. And uh, I love it. I've used this like a hundred times now or something. So like, if you've got some audio where you've got like some background music and you're speaking and you want just your voice, use this. You definitely could do it manually with a spectrogram. Really? Yeah, I'm not sure how this is done, honestly. But it seems like magic to me and it's great. But as I say, every other use case for AI has been largely missed for me. We'll see if it gets better over time. How people justify the privileged position of reactors is truly hilarious. There was some rambles I was going to do, chat, but I hate covering other people's videos that talk about reaction content, or at least just in rambles, right? Because you understand, I spent months making my series. It's about 150 pages in the end. Very long, like effectively a book, covering it from every possible angle. And so when I see some 10 minute lazily put together, poorly researched, poorly argued video about reaction, and I'm like, what, what, what am I going to say this that I haven't already said before? You want me to say that it's inferior to my own video? Well, obviously, it's like, there's not even one tenth of size, it's even less. I have considered making a video where I go through like and hit the best parts of a bunch of other people's videos on reaction content, but it all doesn't matter, chat. At the end of the day, this is just the peasant class bickering amongst themselves about the elites, the kings. And the kings will look down and go, oh, the peasants bickering again, are they? Are they, they're not doing anything though, right? They're just, they're just bickering? Good. So they'll end up back in the mines and we can get our content, so who cares? Peasant class, that's what they are. As Hassan called them, they're the unpaid interns. <laughs> it is just weird to watch how people try to rationalize their circumstances as unpaid interns. As to, like, oh yeah, like, my liege is making millions of dollars and, like, my circumstances just continue to get worse. But, like, where would I be without my liege lord, man? Like, uh, I just gotta go back into the mine and get making him some more stuff. Maybe then he'll take pity on me and make my life better, but he never will. Because he's your liege lord, he doesn't give two shits about you. He just wants you back in that mind, making him his millions. But they, they, they'll never see it, man. Well, some of them do. Good on them, but um, no one wants to believe that they've been taken advantage of. And what, some of the worst things is that a lot of people out there are good people, so want to assume that other people are good people. And they, they just don't like the idea that someone that they once upon a time, or even now, believes to be good, is actually a bad person taking advantage of them. So they'll do everything under the sun to avoid facing that reality. And it's sad to see. It's kind of like a person who likes their dealer, and their dealer keeps giving them meth. And it's like, but, but, but he's my dealer, man. He's like, he's my friend. He's, he's, he's giving me the good stuff. And I'm in bad states now, but like, I just need another hit, man. Just another one, and I'll be fine. But in reality, that dealer's fucking your life. And that stuff you're jacking your veins is ruining you. And it usually takes a person like dying or truly hitting rock bottom before they see it. But it's just more recently, there's been uh, more videos coming out by these people abused by reactors, whether they realize it or not. And watching the different ways that people try to rationalize their position in that hierarchy is both amusing and very sad. Because all these people being exploited, man, in the world in various different ways, some of it entirely unaware, it sucks. So maybe one day, They'll come out. But as you guys may know, there is another video coming out in the React series. What I hoped would be the last one ever. But, uh, who knows? And it's gonna be over an hour long. No one's gonna watch it. It's gonna change absolutely nothing. You know, the best kind of videos on this fucking platform. <laughs> this is the best Australian joke ever. So this is more of an Australian joke. I don't normally just include other people's Twitter jokes in this, my rambles, but this one, it was just weird enough that I want to include it. So, in my country, there's something called gyms, where it's like, 
Jim's mowing or Jim's plumbing or Jim's antenna or whatever, where it's like a franchise where like, I guess people in different areas of, of trade sign up to Jim's so they can use the Jim's branding and that enables them to get it more recognition and the Jim's acts as like a, a, a way of like getting them additional work and stuff. And so like, when I want my lawnmower, I call Jim's lawn mowing. When I want an electrician, I call Jim's ele electronics or whatever, right? And so someone tweeted this out. Well, from Luma Video Editor. Ever want to be a VTuber but just don't have the time? Try Jim's VTubing, mowing down the competition. Only Australians will understand. It's such a great Australian joke. Jim's moving into the VTuber game. I mean, in a way, that is the business model of these orgs that handle a lot of VTubers, right? They get you all the rigging and all the stuff and all that jazz and you give them a percentage of your money in the same way that Jim's works. Okay, what, what's that business model called? It, franchising? But like, not really? New awesome emotes are coming to my Twitch channel. So you guys know me, I'm an old school creator on Twitch.tv. Or rather, I started in 2014, which is nine years ago now. Goddamn. Is that real? Being around this long, I've been able to see the slow progression in the quality of emotes the channels offer on the platform. There was a point around 2018, maybe 2020, like years back, where I could honestly say that I had some of the best emotes on the platform. And people would say that all the time. With every passing year, more and more people have gotten better emotes, more and more people are selling good quality emotes, more and more people understand what makes a good emote. And so now my emotes on Twitch are just like, they're still good, but I doubt they're the best on the platform anymore, right? Especially in regards to my animated emotes, there's some really good animated emotes on the platform. And so there's not much I can do about that because there is a ceiling for emote quality, right? Eventually you hit the ceiling and they are the best they can be and everyone else can be at that ceiling as well. But I am going to look into trying to find some potentially better animated emotes. With that being said, I have this graph made by Kara. I think it's made by Kara. It shows which my emotes are used the most. Oh, keep in mind, this is for the last 60 days, just be aware. So this one down here, way out in front, is Dviper Love at 4,834. For those who don't know, on Twitch, there are five follower emotes. So you get five emotes for following a channel. And currently, you can use them on any channel you want all over Twitch. And so, ideally, you want those five emotes to be the emotes that people are most likely to use. Because even your followers can, like, join in on the emote fun and can potentially advertise your channel across the platform. So my top three here are follower emotes being dead and wave, then lol comes next, and then please, which is uh, the dancing hat and time doggo, and then sad, then boop, then lurk, then hmm, then happy and comfy. But there's like a huge drop off from like happy, which is used 900 times to comfy that's used 650. But you can come down here and there are some emotes like dislike that are only used 35 times, or rant that's only used 39 times, or prime that's used 46 times. Like there's clearly some emotes that either very niche in their usage or people just don't like. It's interesting that despite nom being a bit emote, it's still used more times than a lot of sub emotes. Bit emotes are like you have to have given like a thousand bits or something to get access to nom. And there's 18 emotes that aren't used at all, potentially because the requirements to unlock them are too high. Like you need to be a tier three subscriber or you uh, need to have paid a lot of bits. Looking at all this data, I'm probably going to be changing the follower emotes, making happy not a follower emote and making lol a follower emote. I guess sad is still used more than boop. So um, we'll keep that there. But like happy and love kind of can be used interchangeably. Obviously we'll still keep happy as a normal subscribe emote, but uh, 
that's probably going to change. And as far as all these emotes that are barely used, we'll assess which ones we want to remove. I've never stopped having Simon make me emotes. He doesn't make them super fast, so it's just like I give him a list all the time. So I have all these new emotes, and he's still working on like another 10. So I've got Dark Ambulance, which is like Taxi. Dark Binoculars, like A, what's over there? Dark Bonk, which is like a doggo getting hit by a mallet. Dark Boxing, just a doggo with boxing gloves. Dark Broke. Like all these look very good when they're big. I don't know how they're going to look when they're small. Like, can, would you be able to see that fly coming out of the wallet? I'm not sure. Dark Chad, Dark Clap. Dark construction, dark doctor, dark jail, dark L. I'm not sure that is even allowed on Twitch, but dark lick, he's eating like a little ice cream cone. Dark nurse, dark pensive. Like, dark pensive looks good, as does dark pout, but I'm not sure they'll be able to make sense on Twitch when they're really small, but we'll see. Dark photo, dark rap, dark sailor, dark scream, dark sleep. Like, sleep is really good. I'd be surprised if we don't include sleep. As is smirk, but I'm not sure that, like, you'll be able to see the face, but it's a really good smirk. You have a sleepy mode already? It was not as good as this one, though. Dark Vomit, Dark Weird, and Dark Zombie. So, like, of all these, maybe, like, four or five, I like to the degree that I might keep. Like, you can see how Dark Photo might be usable. Clap is probably good. Bonk is probably good. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. As I say, there's still another ten more that are being worked on, but I'm also having him work on improving my sub-badges. The sub-badges currently only go up to three years, and it skips some tiers. Like, some people have a different badge for two months and three months and stuff. I don't. And so I'm going to see if I can have them revamped a bit to have more colors. But it's really hard getting something this small, it's like 16 by 16, looking good. Like, this is the old one, and this is the new attempt, and the old one looks better. We're still working on it, but, uh, yeah, so these are all the developments coming through with my emotes, basically. For the 2,000 summoned subscribers that I currently have. So I suppose most people would be interested in this stuff, but this is what's happening. Yeah, so Zend asks here directly, how much advertisement and attention do you think your channel on Twitch gets from people using emotes in other people's Twitch chats? And do you think it's something worth considering, or just a beneficial unintended side effects? This is Zend asking this, and he shows an example here. So in this Binding of Isaac stream, it's like, I bet Hurst will read this message out loud. D-Viper, hmm? I think this was more of a thing, as I say, back in the day where everyone didn't have amazing emotes. I mean, everyone still doesn't, but there's a lot more high-quality emotes on the platform. And the platform's a lot bigger. So back in the day, I knew of Raise Fire and Baru entirely because of how good their emotes were. And I've had some people say, I'm subscribing just for the emotes, or, hey, I saw your emotes elsewhere and I've come over. But I think that's less relevant these days. Because it's just not as special having good emotes, especially because, like, back in the day, 7TV, Better Twitch TV, Frank of AC, weren't as pronounced, weren't as widely used. There are some channels that just have hundreds of emotes, and it's also sometimes hard to compete with these really big popular emotes that are free on these third-party programs. Like, it doesn't hurt, and it is something I still consider when I choose which emotes to put in follower, for example, but it's not as big as a thing these days. What are emotes in Discord? Discord usually has more emotes faster than Twitch because I because there's so many more slots. Like many of the new emotes I just talked about have just recently been added to my Discord. A sneak peek of my upcoming Pacifist 2.0 episode. So I'm making progress on Pacifist, right? But one of the biggest problems is a little bit spoiler. I'm doing the oldest and the highest for the ones I didn't do in the main series. A substantial amount of the alternate Mayweather heist pacifist is me looking through a heat scope on a sniper rifle. So like, you can see what's going on, but it's not very interesting. Like, hours I spend being unable to see anything except through the heat scope. 
And so that doesn't make for very good footage, right? So what I'm gonna have to do is in post, like, recreate the scenes with mods to give different camera angles and stuff. It's gonna take so long. So this is what it looks like currently, chat. So the first five minutes is like fairly final. The next five is like, eh. And the, the rest, I, I haven't really done much. I consider myself to have four passes, where the first is trimming the raw footage to something manageable. The second is then reducing it down to like what I actually need. Then the third is the actual editing. Then the fourth is polish. And I'm like a third of the way through the second way through. Yeah, see, like this is it. So like this is a picture of a guy shooting a guy. And it's like, what am I meant to do with this footage? Yeah, we'll, fi we'll figure it out. Appreciate all of the hard work and dedication you put into Pacifist and your other series. Keep it up, man. Well, I appreciate you saying that. But one thing people often don't recognize is that the effort that you see me putting into Pacifist is like just the sort of effort that a lot of people put into their normal YouTube videos. If you go to a content creator that's making a video like once a month or something, they're putting in about as much effort as I am putting into Pacifist. Just on every single video that they produce. The reason why Pacifist stands out for me is because most projects that I have don't take that long. And it's a difficult project because if you're setting out to make a YouTube video, you're shooting particular scenes that you know to fit the particular plan that you have and everything falls into order naturally. When I'm making Pacifist, I know what's gonna happen. So a bunch of random stuff can happen that I'm just not prepared for and the footage can be completely terrible and I've gotta somehow corral that into a narrative that makes sense for a viewer as well as make it interesting and potentially funny when I can just be staring at a wall for half an hour. It's a really difficult project to work with, but at the same time, I can't say it's like orders of magnitude above what like other people are putting into their videos, right? My channel is doing better than ever. Sometimes the issue with making a lot of changes at the same time is that, well, yeah, it can potentially speed up improvements if they're all having some positive effect or whatever. You can't necessarily know which one has led to your improving circumstances. So I moved my rambles off my main channel to another channel. I started my VOD channel. I've uh, started the clip compilations. A lot of the content that's come out recently is really, really good, like uh, particular challenge runs and stuff. I've made a lot more shorts and they've all done really well. And so I've gone from like a low point of like 7 million main channel views to now I'm getting like 10 million. So all of them are likely having a, an effect, but for example, I was really curious as to whether or not moving my rambles off my main channel would lead to an increased amount of views on my main channel. And uh, I have no way of knowing that because I've done so many other things at the same time. With that being said, my click-through rate has improved because my average click-through rate was always pushed down because the rambles averaged like less than 3% click-through rate. But currently my click-through rate is 4.4, where in previous months it was like 3 or 3.4. Yeah, so things are going good right now. Getting something like 30 million shorts views a month and uh, 10 million main channel views. Oh yeah, see, um, Dronix says they came from the Isaac videos on YouTube. Isaac as a series, more than anything else on the VOD channel, has uh, picked me up a few more viewers. Um, and I appreciate that. It's a shame that uh, Noisa doesn't have a community that strong. Because I, when I think of my favorite small indie games, it's Noisa, Slay the Spire, and Binding of Isaac. But Binding of Isaac, more than the other two, have a much more vibrant community. Answering your most interesting questions submitted on my Discord. Are you not afraid of other streamers, YouTubers, calling you out for specific things you may have said will in the future? And if so, how would you deal if it turned out to be a big drama scene on the internet? As I've often said, the impact of drama on a person's career is usually not significant. 
unless you're unable to provide the value that you previously provided to the market. As in, people's condemnation of you usually comes from without. People who have no interest in your content, no interest in you, and just want to feel superior to another person for a day. They're not interested in the nitty-gritty details of whether you might be guilty or not. They just say, go fuck yourself, random person on the internet. Any person who's interested in your content, watches it, finds value in it, they are especially motivated to find reasons to dismiss this drama, either by siding with you and considering you to be in the right, or dismissing whatever is against you because they want to keep finding their value. As long as you're not in jail, you don't burn out and quit or something, as long as you can keep making videos, your audience will stick around because they, they have all the reasons they stuck around previously and it'll all just blow over. In the same way, Sunny V2 had a drama, just ignored it and moved on. Drama's happening all the time. You have, in your years on the internet, have seen hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of disagreements between creators and you can remember like the barest, tiniest fraction of them. It's just not meaningful. Am I afraid of it? Not really. I will say though, I am very confident that I can argue in favor of anything I believe or anything that I've done. I can talk about my justifications. I can admit where I'm wrong. The place where I fall flat on my face is when I have to talk about things that I don't believe. Or I have to defend myself from accusations that are entirely untrue. So like with Charlie, everything he said in that video effectively was wrong. And it put me in a very awkward situation of, I would be full, fully prepared to argue in favor of anything I said in that essay. But it was very hard to defend myself against things which is wildly untrue. Or against the person who potentially doesn't understand anything of what you said or done. But do I fear these things? No, these things are very rare. I'm not oversized where I should expect such things to happen at all. Like I may seem like a big shot to you guys and in the grand scheme of YouTube, I am, but I'm like ranked like 20,000th or something on the platform. It's exponential growth. So like on a plane of YouTube, it's like flat. Some people have a little bit and like, I'm like here, but then like, then the rest of it's like, what? <laughs> so there are people who are like a hundred times my size. <laughs> Those are the kind of creators who have to worry that people are going to start a drama with them because they uh, rightly or wrongly believe they can benefit from it. So we ended here. Thank you for watching and joining me on my new channel. I wish you all the best.